Hello, everyone, and welcome to Joe's Tango Podcast, where we have in-depth and meaningful conversations with various instructors, organizers, and musicians in the colorful and exciting world of Argentine tango. I'm your host, Joe Yang. Thank you very much for joining us. Today, we have another special guest. He's a violinist and one of the founding members of the tango group known as Cuarteto Tanguero. If you ever have the chance to hear this group live, you have to do it. They are awesome. Our guest is also an educator and recording artist with expertise in historic, modern, and cross-cultural repertoires for the violin. As a producer, he has released a number of albums in the U.S. and abroad, and he's managed concert tours and other special events. Currently, he's the Mellon Postdoctoral Fellow in Interdisciplinary Production and Music Studies at Notre Dame University. He earned his Doctor of Music degree at the Indiana University Jacobs School of Music under the mentorship of violinists Nelly Shkolnikova and Stanley Ritchie. And as a performer, he has shared the stage with a number of Grammy Award winners and nominees, including Pablo Aslan, Hector Del Curto, Pablo Ziegler, Raul Juarena, Frank London, Michael Alpert, Sylvia McNair, and many others. He has appeared in a number of CD recordings, as well as television and radio programs in the U.S., Argentina, and his native country of Brazil. Please welcome Mr. Daniel Stein. Daniel, it's an honor to have you on the show, and it's great to be speaking to you again. It's been too long. It's been, indeed, it's been way too long, and it's an honor to be here, and very happy to be on the show. Yeah. Okay, I want to I jump right into, into things. So, you are familiar with a wide variety of music. So, how, how did you first encounter tango? Oh, wow. That was a while back. Um, I first encountered tango in Brazil. That's uh, where mm-hmm. I grew up. I uh, threw off my undergrad. I lived there, so 21 years. Wow. Um, I started uh, I started the violin. I started on the violin at age six. Mm-hmm. And by the time I was 14, 15, I was... Um, it's, it's very common in Brazil, I guess in Argentina too, that you become um, sort of a professional mm. at an early age. That doesn't mean mm-hmm. you should be right. or that you're ready for it, but, mm-hmm. but that's just how it rolls. And I had two experiences with tango, two first that I call first experiences with tango. Mm-hmm. Um, on the classical, if I may say that, uh, side uh, of things, I was at the orchestra. Mm-hmm. And I was assistant concert master, and we had a concert at the uh, Open Orchestra for young musicians that is called Orquestra Experimental de Repertorio. Okay. It was conducted by Master Jamil Malouf, who was, was a fantastic uh, person mm-hmm. and, and really always had these fantastic projects and ideas, and we did all kinds of stuff and movie music, and mm-hmm. you name it, he had the idea and he did it. And for this particular concert, I was 14, 15, and he brings Daniel Binelli. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're not familiar with Daniel Binelli, uh, he is a very important, uh, fantastic bandoneon player, oh. a true maestro, uh, was in Polyesis Orchestra, I believe. And he is the V1 guy that played with Piazzolla oh. in his last sextet. Wow. So... I guess after Piazzolla died, and, and even today, he is the one guy that plays the Piazzolla mm. concerto all over. Mm-hmm. And so this guy came and played at the Municipal Theater with our orchestra, mm. and, and I was like a meter from him, right? Three uh-huh. feet, four feet. Wow. And I just remember the, this being absolutely awesome. Mm-hmm. And remember like seeing him play and thinking, wow, 
I really want to do that when I grow up. Ah. Um, that was my classical encounter of tango. Okay. I, I call it classical because I was at the orchestra. Mm -hmm. um, my popular encounter of tango, so the other thing that I did growing up mm -hmm. was playing weddings, playing restaurants, uh, mm -hmm. you name it. I did it, you know. Okay. It's, uh, we played around tables. There was a time that people had a lot of money and they uh -huh. they wanted four violins, oh, wow. an accordion, and a bass mm -hmm. playing around tables, and it was it was kind of funny to to mm -hmm. see the, especially the bassist drag his bass around from table to table. <laughs> and I would say the two main guys that hired me, mm -hmm. and this is uh, I guess a very fortunate uh, thing that I had at the time that I didn't realize were uh, Odino Nunes. Mm -hmm. Who was uh, from Uruguay originally? Okay. And Herman Weinrod, who is Argentinian. Mm -hmm. and, and of course, if you're playing around tables, you're doing popular music. You're not really playing, uh, you know, Beethoven symphonies. It's not even possible. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> and and both these guys were absolutely excellent tango players. Ah. So and and the way the restaurant gig works is. Mm -hmm. Kind of bizarre. Okay. So I remember the first time I showed up for one of those gigs, I said, Hey, uh, so where are the parts? And one of the guys started laughing. Ah. <laughs> and, and he made this signal that it was, it's, just, it's strange to say it on a podcast, it's easier mm -hmm. to show. But it was basically the signal of uh, put your antenna up. You know, okay. old cars had this had these antennas right, that you yes. had to like yeah, I remember. change <laughs> and bring it up. Yeah, I yeah. remember too. And he basically made that signal. I was like, mm -hmm. what does that mean? He's mm -hmm. like, you're gonna find out in a moment. Oh. So that that encounter was basically with uh, Tango La Parigia, mm -hmm. which uh, which is the way we call this way of playing tango, right? That you mm -hmm. basically shook show up and mm -hmm. you either know the rap or you have to learn the rap okay. eventually. Okay. And this was not exactly the super organized Parisia that mm -hmm. uh, you know that, that we sometimes teach and do today that we're like, okay, we're gonna do this five teams, learn mm -hmm. them. Okay. I just showed up and like if what you can play, great, what you can play, fake it. Okay. Uh but these two guys I think were very responsible to mm -hmm. For me, eventually getting into tango the the way I did, okay. um, so I'm much indebted to to wow. Herman and and Odino Nunes. So, so showing up just to play—that's so. I guess if you were in a rock concert, be called, hey, let's just show up and jam. Yeah. Okay. That wow. would be basically <laughs> that, and mm -hmm. and as you know, eventually mm -hmm. you know enough about it that you can uh, go through it. And mm -hmm. so I didn't learn only tangos with that. I, okay. I learned. At one point, I, me and a friend, just for the exercise of it, mm -hmm. were like, "Dude, how many teams do we know? How many music? How much music can we play? Actually, mm -hmm. this is, of course, three, four, five years into it." Mm -hmm. And we sat down and we counted, like, I don't know, maybe a couple hundred tunes. Wow! And this friend of mine actually had a much better memory than I had, and mm -hmm. he actually knew all the tunes by name. I just remember playing tunes. That they started at the beginning and I could play the whole tune and I had no idea mm -hmm. what what the tune was called and and later in life I found out wow those are all uh, not only tangos and and classic tangos but mm -hmm. some some were from old movies ah. uh, 
some were traditional Italian melodies, so all the all the other stuff that you would hear in mm-hmm. in Fellini movies. Uh, yeah, all the stuff the the French people were doing, the Charles Aznavour, mm-hmm. or or the big orchestras were doing, like Haykonev, um, no, the, those big touring ensembles, Pomoria. Uh, mm-hmm. So they basically appropriated all this rap, and they were doing a small version of it. Mm. In that setting, and of course, there was always a tango set. Okay, and and that's that's my informal introduction to tango, my popular okay introduction to it. Okay, good. That's a great segue into my next question: is about um, the terms of the group dynamics you have with the other musicians. I think you kind of touched upon that already. When it comes to say playing in a classical chamber orchestra or um, or a chamber or or a classical quartet versus a tango group. Uh, what are the differences in dynamics that you have with the other musicians? Is it really all that different, or is it, um, or is it relatively similar? Well, quartet is is chamber music, mm. uh, like it or not. That's what you have to prepare right. for. If you are a part of a big orchestra, um, and let's say you, you have a clear leader, it doesn't matter if it's the, the bandoneon section or mm-hmm. or the violin section, or if you are in the symphony. Often the leader is responsible for for setting up the articulations and uh, in the case of the strings to decide the bowings and to decide some things and you and you basically have to go with the flow. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you sound really bad. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you can't just it's you know you're on dance floor and there are other people. You're mm-hmm. not dancing by yourselves. Yeah. So if it's chamber music, however, um, if it's a smaller group, everybody kind of pitches in and you. And you do have to to defer to others, I guess. Mm-hmm. And I mean, in the other group, you also defer to other, but it's, mm-hmm. there's a leader, and the leader is kind of deciding. Uh, I guess in the chamber group and the quartet, everybody is responsible for deciding. And I there see. is mm-hmm. it's it's a very close um, it's a very close relationship. Yeah. That the musicians need to have uh, not different than what the dancers do. That mm-hmm. I think. That's my favorite analogy, actually. Okay. Um, it is dance. Mm-hmm. Because, uh, I mean, at first, you're just learning to lead or you're just learning to follow. Yeah. But in the end, we all know that to be a good leader, you have to be listening to your follower all the time. Right, right. And sometimes your follower takes you to unexpected places. Mm-hmm. And you go with the flow. Uh, so in that sense, the follower is the leader as well. Mm-hmm. So there are no followers and leaders. Okay. It's just uh, everybody is responsible mm-hmm. for it. Everybody needs to work together in a very intimate way. I see. Mm-hmm. And I, I like to to think that uh, what we do in Quartet Tutangero is very much like this. And uh, well, we, we have to respect each other's ideas first. And mm-hmm. and there are moments that sometimes you know you listen to the tune that you transcribed or that you're working on in a way. And then somebody else listens to it in a different way, and you change, and you try, and you adapt. There's a lot of rehearsing mm-hmm. uh, that goes into this process, and to to actually make it work. I see. Yeah. Just for the basic, oh, this is working great. Now let's try to find the groove and make it into music. Yeah, yeah. 
Excellent. Yeah. So you also mentioned, you know, the, the analogy between the, the group and also the dance. And that's another segment to the next question I have. I'm really glad how this oh, is great. going. <laughs> so um, a lot of our uh, listeners there are early tango students just starting to get addicted to dancing. And just, Wonderful. Yeah. And they're just figuring out how to move to the music. So as a musician, you've got a really, really close connection with with that element of, of the dance. So what kind of advice would you have for a new tango dancer and what to listen for when it comes to tango music? So the, there is this, uh, uh, I was very fortunate when I started dancing mm-hmm. and I'm not by any measure a great dancer or a teacher. I am a social dancer. I have fun with it mm-hmm. and I mainly do it because I like it, mm-hmm. but it also teaches me something about the music. I see. But but you will never see me teaching or doing anything professional. But the uh, thing is, I was very fortunate when I started dancing that I very early on I had lessons with people mm-hmm. that you probably wouldn't have lessons with these guys in, mm-hmm. uh, unless you were much more advanced than I was. Okay. Because <laughs> uh, there was really no point, but I, I, I had lessons with Ferdinand Agui and Guillermo. Oh, yeah, wow. Okay. And... It, it was just a happy accident. I mean, I was touring with the guys and playing for them. And I was like, well, why not? Mm-hmm. So glad, I, this will tie back into your question. Don't worry okay. about it. Sure, sure. Uh, so Guillermo is maybe one of the best musicians that I know. Mm-hmm. Even though he's not a musician mm-hmm. and he doesn't read music and he doesn't, uh, he he will say it right to you. It's like, oh, I wish I knew more about this, but I just don't. Mm-hmm. Uh, still, why I think he is. Uh, why did I say that? Mm-hmm. Um, one thing that I noticed about Guillermo when he teaches is that, well, you know how it is. Uh, you give sort of an exercise to the class, everybody tries to do it, mm-hmm. and, and you kind of go around and sometimes you say good job, sometimes you're like, oh, okay, you need some help. <laughs> uh, yeah. But but you got to go around, that is what it is. Mm-hmm. And one thing that I noticed about Guillermo is that he has a deep emotional and technical connection to the whole music. Mm-hmm. Um, I noticed that because he just goes around, and as he's going around, you know, I see the, the same tune coming up over and over. Mm-hmm. And he's always singing along with the tune. Mm. And I was like, oh, that's very interesting. And then I noticed, oh, wait, he's not, uh, I mean, that's great. He's Argentinian, he's singing the words, of course, he has an emotional connection to the language. That makes absolute sense. Mm-hmm. And then I realized, oh, wait, He's, this time he came over and he was singing the violin line. Oh, wait, this time he came over and he was singing the bananel line. Oh. And so I noticed that throughout his head, you know, as, as he's, even when he's just teaching and he's not performing or doing his thing, he, or unless he's doing the bass line, mm-hmm. he's always looking for places to be expressive in the music. Oh. And so I, what I like to tell dancers is that there are many layers in the music, in this music. Mm-hmm. And the basic layer can be very simple, usually is mm-hmm. uh, very simple. Usually you're talking about the, the especially with, with some of, of the orchestras, it's absolutely clear that it's just a 4-4. Four, four, yeah. mm-hmm. So that's a great place to start your listening mm-hmm. because it gives you a place to walk. Mm-hmm. So it's a beat, it makes sense. So that's the very first thing that I would try to listen. I'll try to listen to the bass, the left mm-hmm. hand of the piano. And 
And then you'll see some variations, because tango is, is just moves so much. Mm-hmm. It's just so interesting, but still within this, usually 4-4 four, four or 3-4, mm-hmm. if it's a valse. And that's definitely where I would say uh, put your effort into listening to that mm-hmm. to make yeah. your life easier. Yes. <laughs> and I think yeah. as you grow more advanced, mm-hmm. uh, Start looking for other places, other instruments where you can express yourself. And this could be, oh, the violin did some commentary here, mm-hmm. so maybe I'll do a bolero. Maybe, I'll, you know, as a follower, no, maybe I'll, I'll have some space and here and do a commentary. Mm-hmm. Uh, or maybe it's in the violin line. Or maybe listen for the stops. Like if you're listening to Daniel's La Comparsita, which you, mm-hmm. if you have not, you will listen a million yeah. times. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you just start the piece and there is a break. Mm-hmm. And the first time you hear it, it will be like it'll catch you by surprise, and you'll be like, "Oh, what just happened?" The second time you listen, it'll be like, you're ready for it, yeah. so yeah, yeah. you can stop or you can wait to start dancing after it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess the next step would be to start listening for those uh, weird things that happen, and maybe even start identifying the orchestras. Yeah, right. Um, like Darienzo has these features where sometimes the piano. It's left alone. Biagi has the weird accents in mm-hmm. weird tempos. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and don't be frustrated by it. Just yeah. It's a joke. Mm-hmm. And the question is, can I do anything about this joke? Oh, maybe the next time I hear this tune, I, I'll just pay attention and remember that. And I, I think I already talked too much, actually. No, no, no. Uh, but definitely a place to start is just listen to the bass line and mm-hmm. see where this is going. Also, if you're absolutely new to tango, there is this feature that we often have uh, at the end of a tune that you have the, the long runs, the notes get really fast, usually happens in the Bananeon. Mm-hmm. We call this a variacion. Mm-hmm. So if you're not sure when to end, usually uh, variaciones will happen mm-hmm. at, at the very end of the tune. So you can be thinking, oh, in 8 to 16 bars, Mm-hmm. Which is I don't know how many times the uh, I guess two times the basic step right yeah. when you're starting mm-hmm. uh, this will come to an end so maybe it should be getting ready to mm-hmm. at the beginning just stop of course mm-hmm. and as you get more advanced you, you do all kinds of beautiful things yeah yeah but like little things to to that tell you where you are mm-hmm. in the music like yeah. if you're listening to Pugliese oh there's a violin solo mm. there's always an eight sixteen bars violin solo it's expected. Okay. Uh, there is always a little piano solo. There is often a bandoneon solo. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and these all are tied into the musicians, the history of the orchestras. Mm-hmm. But those are things to that give you an idea. It also teaches you what you like to dance. Yeah. Yeah. Because I, I remember when I started, I had this fear of valse, mm-hmm. and I and I would never dance the valse. Mm. Uh, and now I I'd like to think that I'm over it. Mm-hmm. But there was something about the speed that I didn't feel comfortable. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, I felt very comfortable dancing Pugliese, which most people don't feel comfortable until mm-hmm. later. And I realized it's just because I played the music and I knew it very well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but everybody's different. So I guess yeah. uh, listen to it and listen listen to it critically. Yeah. I think that's something that is very helpful and very interesting. Mm-hmm. So kind of changing gears to uh, performing live at, at a milonga. So, of course, everyone's excited about uh, live music. But um, while you're performing, you know, you're, you're not just stuck with what you're doing. You're also noticing what's happening on the dance floor as well. Um, Absolutely. 
Yeah, so uh, can you describe the connection between musician and dancer when you're performing live? Because it's very different from you know dancing to recorded music, even if you're playing an original arrangement. I see. Um, well, there, I guess there are two kinds of live performances. The, there okay. is the one that you are uh, in the Milonga setting, mm -hmm. and you're performing for a bunch of dancers, uh, for social dancers, and it has its own needs, and there is the, the stage Right when you have maybe one couple, sometimes oh, you have, okay. uh, even three couples. Well, tango has this beautiful feature, that, uh, especially on the on the melodic lines or the fraseo, right? Mm -hmm. That I just I like to use the word fraseo. I don't think it translates well mm -hmm. uh, into any. Doesn't translate well in English. Okay. But the fraseo is like rubato, right? It's this mm -hmm. take you take a little bit of time, or, or yeah. Or at the beginning of the beat, like you rush a little bit so you have more time at the end. Okay. And that's something that if, if you are into the music, uh, Fiorentino does that a lot. He just mm -hmm. rushes at the beginning and then he has more time at the end. Mm -hmm. uh, I think that's one way of doing it. Or sometimes you have the pelotita, they, they call it, which is like a little ball. Okay. That, it just, that if you throw a basketball ball really um, strongly on the floor, right? You'll, right. It starts bouncing really high, and then little by little, it just goes faster and faster. So those are, this is basically how fraseo works. Okay. And I think within fraseo, well, first it can be one or the other, right? Mm -hmm. uh, it could start faster and then go a little bit slower. It could start slower and then go a little bit faster. Mm -hmm. uh, or it could be a combination. It could be in two, within two bars, the, the big, large fraseo that Polizia Orchestra does, for instance. Okay. Um, when you're dancing to a recording, you were stuck with whatever the orchestra gave you on that particular day, on that particular date, yeah. on that particular session. Mm -hmm. And if you listen to five different versions of... Barienzo is the one that they recorded a lot, right? So mm -hmm. I think you have five or seven different versions of the Comparsita. Mm -hmm. You will see that the fraseo changes. But you have no control over that as, as a dancer. Mm -hmm. So you go with the flow, you go with that version, you do what you can. I think when you're performing for live there is a little room for changing it. Ah. And that, that is maybe what makes it special. Mm -hmm. and, and that goes both ways. Sometimes I think you, you see that the dancer is speeding up and you just go with it and mm -hmm. you give it that push. You're playing, maybe you're, you're lucky enough to be playing that melody and you're like, oh, that dancer is really connected to my part. Uh, <laughs> and you just kind of move along. Okay. And it, it definitely is something that has happened to me uh, performing with Fernando Guillermo mm. uh, and their company. But it's something that happens to you in the Milonga sometimes. Because uh -huh. in the Milonga, as you know, there, there are lots of dancers, but every now and then there is one couple in the middle that you're like, oh, wow, those guys are really connecting to okay. what we're doing. Let's try to follow them. Let's see what happens. Mm -hmm. So in a way, you're, I guess, adding that couple to your group, and it's not a quartet anymore, it's a sextet. Uh -huh. It's a different relationship, of course, mm -hmm. but but it's very interesting to see how sometimes you make a little stop, mm -hmm. and that's a stop with you. Uh. <laughs> when I'm playing with Ben, Ben knows, Ben has mm -hmm. a pretty good sense for what I'm going to do, yeah. depending on the day, depending on the time, depending mm -hmm. on what we played before. Mm -hmm. But it's interesting to be looking at dancers sometimes and see, like, if I wait too much, uh, I can make them, you know, lose their balance. <laughs> uh, which is pretty mean. I wouldn't do that. No. <laughs> uh, 
Although I have done it in rehearsal just for fun to see if they were listening. Uh, yes. And it happened, you know, in rehearsal. People were like, started laughing. I was like, yeah, don't do that on the performance, okay? <laughs> um, but if I did it, would you yeah. be prepared? That's right, the question. Yeah. So the relationship can also be, could be more loose. It can be just like, oh, I'll try to imitate this recording to the best of my ability mm-hmm. and make sure everybody's comfortable. Or sometimes you can push that relationship a little bit and say, hey, are, are we really talking? Mm. Uh, what's... Uh, What's a relationship? And it's a lot of fun when you're performing live and you can have this conversation. Mm. We talked a little bit about uh, musical <laughs> arrangements. So sometimes you'll, you'll play an original arrangement from, you know, from the golden age. Let's say Disarly, for example. A lot mm-hmm. of his, I remember your group played uh, El Pollo Ricardo. I remember you were talking about oh, oh, yeah. the original arrangements. But now, do you ever modify them just for fun or just to see if you can create something different? Yes and no. Okay. <laughs> So there is um, there is this concept in in tango that we call desgrabación, mm-hmm. which is to unrecord. I so see. a lot of these materials we do not have access to the original score, right? Uh, to the original printed music, and even if you did, that does not mean they were performing exactly what's on the page. Mm-hmm. And that's for a simple economic reason, that you know you copy it once, you give it to your musician, mm-hmm. you're not going to copy it again. There was no Sibelius, there were no printers. The, mm. the, like notation software was still 70 years in the future. So yeah. th- there, is, there is no time, mm-hmm. especially if you're going, I mean, studio musicians understand that very well. Sometimes you go into the studio and you're like, oh, yeah, I made a mistake. That's not a D, that's an E. Mm-hmm. You correct it. Great. You recorded it. It's perfect. You send the parts to the next guy for the next gig and that D is still there. Mm. Uh, because it didn't, so even today with notation software and it's super easy to do that stuff, you cannot really completely trust the score. Okay. So even when we have access to scores, and there are some that have surfaced, um, there's a beautiful project that uh, in Argentina, the, the Proyecto uh, Pichuco Troilo. So okay. it's all the Troilo scores, and they are releasing them and putting them in notation software little by little. Mm. Even when you have this, that is a primary source, mm-hmm. um, sometimes it's missing parts, mm-hmm. so you cannot fully trust. I see. So the, the concept of this grabación is basically you get a recording to the best of the, your ability, you write all this stuff down. Uh. So that's, that's a transcription, okay. basically. Now, can you play a transcription? Yeah. And, and the better you get, the more you realize that there are more things to be added or to mm-hmm. be changed. And eventually you start simplifying too because you realize you cannot write everything. Mm-hmm. You cannot write a fraseo. You can maybe put an arrow saying go forward. Okay. But how are you going to do that? Mm. Now, as far as modifying, mm-hmm. if you are a quartet, there is only so much you can do. It's just, it is what it is. You do not have four violins. Mm-hmm. So there are certain things that are not possible. Mm-hmm. So the question is, how do you modify it so that uh, it still gives you that effect and that idea? Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of thought that go into that, um, especially playing with the quartet. There's mm-hmm. a lot. I think the piano part and the bass part we try to, as much as possible, leave as it is in the recording because there was only one piano and one bassist in any mm-hmm. orchestra. So there is no reason for modifying that. But Ben and I, then we, we go from this, this grabación that we mm-hmm. basically did to understand and to try to capture what was going on to to an actual arrangement. Okay. 
and that's when we make decisions. Ben and I have to actually decide what can we add or leave out so that it kind of sounds like that recording. Mm -hmm. Or to what sounds, what would sound effective but also familiar mm -hmm. to the people that are dancing. I see. And and it's very interesting. Sometimes you bump into into things that are clearly mistakes mm. that are just you know it happens. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Sometimes, especially for recording at that time. Yeah. And sometimes some things are possible. Some things are possible. So we, yes, we do modify it quite a bit. Mm -hmm. uh, sometimes you do modify it for fun. Mm -hmm. There are several orchestras. I mean, in the process of coming up with your own original materials and arrangements. First, I guess you start by familiarizing yourself with the language, which is really this process of listening a lot, mm -hmm. doing a lot of transcriptions, getting to know how it works. And and then it's natural, you get bored, you know, you play it so many times and mm -hmm. you want it to be different. Yeah. And that's maybe the beauty of tango, that tango is naturally improvisatory, so you never get bored. Yeah. And you never get an interest it never gets an interesting Mm -hmm. So in this process, you start modifying it, and sometimes you memorize something, and by the time you come back, you're like, oh, wow, I'm really not playing what I wrote. Mm -hmm. And by that time, you, you find your, you're finding your own voice. I see. And that's, I think that's the whole process, how it goes, until, mm -hmm. oh, you know what, let's play some original material, or let's play our, our own arrangements mm -hmm. of this other tune, mm -hmm. and see what we can do. Or let's try to make an arrangement of this tune in the mm -hmm. style of, an orchestra that actually didn't do the tune and see if we can accomplish that. Mm, okay. But, you know, as you learn the language, I think these things just come naturally. Yeah, yeah, great. Yeah, so just for yeah. those of you listening, you don't just put up sheet music and just play it straight. It's, just, it's a living, breathing, breathing thing. Tango, not just for us dancers, but for the musicians as well. Yeah, so we were mentioning uh, Ben Bogart. Uh, he is the, the bandoneon player of Quarteto Tanguero. I'm actually going to have him on the show in a couple of weeks too. So... We're gonna we're gonna hear from him as well. Yeah, but yeah. Ben's a great guy. Yeah, yeah, it's it's an aw he's he's really fun. It, yeah, and he's a fabulous dancer. <laughs> ben is the real deal, you know. Yeah. It's just I feel that the, most of the bandanon players get into dance, get into uh, get into tango music mm -hmm. through the dance. Ah, I think most of the string players get into into traditional tango through piazzola. Okay. Because it's, that's the first thing that we listen, and Casola mm -hmm. kind of bridged, you know, the traditional and uh, mm -hmm. whatever you want, the jazz world, the classical world. Yeah. So it, we're like, oh, yeah, there's this Casola guy. I want to play it better. Oh, mm -hmm. uh, you're in for a long haul. <laughs> <laughs> so tango music, we're so used to hearing a lot of those old classic tango songs. And, you know, ever since I started dancing, I'm still listening to the same music that, you know, that I listened to when I first started many years ago and do you think that tango music needs to evolve I would like to say that tango music I feel should be reconnecting with dance music mm -hmm. that's what I would like because I feel that the dance and the the music at some point took kind of separate paths mm -hmm. And, and there are many reasons for this that we're not going to get into. But at some point mm -hmm. uh, in history, you know, you, uh, I guess dancers and DJs decided, okay, there's this canon, this is what we like to dance, this mm -hmm. is what we're going to do. And musicians kind of got interested and, you know, maybe went with Piazzolla and was like, okay, we, we don't want to play for dancers anyway. Yeah. Uh, we want to do our own thing. And, and if you, I mean, there, I guess there is Piazzolla that is danceable. And Piazzolla definitely had an orchestra typica at some point. Mm -hmm. Um, 
But Kesala is often not comfortable to dance, many times not right. danceable, mm -hmm. unless you're really doing some cool stage trick. Mm -hmm. But you see his writing, it's really not meant for dance, and I think musicians kind of follow that line. Mm -hmm. And especially when you start mixing the jazz and improvisation, it becomes awkward, and mm -hmm. you can't really make a tenda out of a piece that is five minutes and a half, eight minutes and a half. Right, yeah. You know, successfully put it together mm -hmm. with something more traditional that you know it's going to be from mm -hmm. two to four minutes, two to three minutes and a half. Mm -hmm. So I'll, what I would like is for, for not to evolve, I say, but to okay. reconnect, I guess, with mm. with this dance tradition. I think there are some efforts, there are some Argentinian orchestras, some young ones, okay. that have been coming up with their own materials. There's, of course, one of my favorite guys out there is Julian Peralta, Mm -hmm. who comes and teaches for us in our in our workshop that we have in the summer. I think Julian is a fantastic example of this reconnection. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm not sure Julian is that interested in, in writing for for dance necessarily. I see. I, I'll have to ask him. Okay. <laughs> but 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 I really love that he, he really reconnects on a on a very core level with mm -hmm. the tradition, with what is tango. Mm -hmm. or, or or tango as a popular art mm -hmm. speaking to modern audiences. Okay. So I would definitely like to see that happen more. Mm -hmm. And well, you know, so, some orchestras are are starting to do their own arrangements. I think there was a phase that people were very uh, averse mm -hmm. to having live music, mm -hmm. and I can see why. I mean, it, it can be very unpredictable. Yeah. So according to Tanguero. And also, a bunch of other orchestras had to do the work and and imitate those old orchestras and understand those old orchestras. Mm -hmm. And I think that's absolutely important because, I mean, how can you possibly speak a language fluently right. if you don't speak the language, right? right. <laughs> so, so that's that's part of uh, what we did. We've, we've been learning this. We've been trying to understand this. Mm -hmm. And I'm really hoping that the next step for this generation of, of orchestras is to to be able to either get uh, you know some themes and make their uh, make their own arrangements mm -hmm. or come up with new stuff yeah which is basically what the orchestras of the the 40s and 50s were doing mm -hmm. like they they had new themes of course but they also had arrangements on older things yeah you see a lot of that to see oh why is i mean sometimes we, well we often say this is the theme that we're playing in the version of mm -hmm. Pugliese. Yeah. But then you look, it's like, oh, in the version of Pugliese, it doesn't mean composer with Pugliese, right? It means right, right. in the version of it. And then you find an older version, it's like, oh, wow, it's mm -hmm. really? It's that tune? For, and it's from the 1920s, and it's mm -hmm. some kind of okay. piece. It's, it's very straight. Um, it, I, I think it's very interesting to look at that and see how how these orchestras, how Pugliese, yeah. the so mm -hmm. all these guys were not only creating their own material, but also adapting older material to newer uh, to newer audiences and meeting their needs. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. Excellent. So I hope we can do the same. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That'd be great. So so can you describe a particularly memorable milonga that where you performed? There were so many. Yeah. <laughs> I figured. Yeah. I mean I, I one of the first milongas that we performed was in Madison, right? It was the, the Mad City. Right. Back in 2014, uh, when you had the, the Mad live. City Tango Festival. Live. Yeah, that was, that was great. And a wonderful thing about that was 
we had the the quartet quarteto tanguero and we had homer and christina Lattice. so we had yeah. not only a workshop but a workshop with a live uh a live tango group and that was just a really really fascinating um fascinating you know workshop and we got so much out of that and that was the the joint effort of many people yeah. uh, uh Including you, but uh, but really <laughs> Max, spearheaded yeah. by by Maxfield, yeah, by Max yeah. uh, Willem Fisher, yep. who deserves pretty much all the credit, I guess, for putting uh, this he, together. He did a great job. Yeah, I got to get him on the show such... at one point too. <laughs> oh, he should. He yeah. Max is just absolutely fabulous. Mm -hmm. So, uh, what what future projects do you have in the pipeline? We uh, we just tracked our second CD. All right, and we're very fortunate to. We caught Julian Peralta, who we just talked about at uh -huh. the end of our our very last uh, music summer camp. Mm -hmm. So we we do every summer. Now it's hosted at St. Mary's College. We call it the Tanguero Summer Workshop for musicians. Okay. And we really pride ourselves in that we take all kinds of musicians. If you're starting, if you're advanced, mm -hmm. and we try to make the best out of it. You know, putting mm -hmm. you in a group that uh, that you will learn a lot. Tanguero Summer Festival, Tanguero Summer Workshop, okay. 2018, mm -hmm. is definitely it's an ongoing project that we have. It's going to happen again at St. Mary's College in Indiana. Okay. Um, the CD project is coming up. We are planning to have another orchestra project coming soon. So we, we need to start thinking about what exactly we want to play, mm -hmm. and if we we already have some arrangements, but if we want to add anything or change anything. And we had a very interesting thing happen to us last year. So our pianist, Winnie Chung, uh -huh. is married to an absolutely fabulous composer, uh, right. Professor Aaron Travers mm -hmm. at Indian University. And Aaron is a fabulous mind and incredibly prolific and mm -hmm. fast writing. So I remember one day what happened was like, oh, it would be fun to play a piece by Aaron sometime. And mm. next day he just shows up with a sketch. Oh, wow. And uh, I mean, he asked for some references and some ideas, and I was like, "Yeah, this is gonna show up in a year or something." No, mm -hmm. he, <laughs> he just showed up with a sketch, and we learned a piece. We performed for a small ad audience, mm -hmm. but now we want to record and to do a proper uh, first performance. Excellent. So that's something that is in the works. We're like choosing a location and seeing when when we when we'll be able to do. Hopefully, we'll do it as part of a little tour. It's a piece uh, that I guess like Piazzolla, right? Bridges tango and classical music, mm -hmm. in the sense that it's it's very modern and and very and very classical, but also it doesn't really work if you don't have that tango part and that tango training. Yeah. There is a, there's, again, there's only so much that the the page, even with somebody that is as precise as Aaron, with notation. There's only so much, if you want that tango infused into it, there's only so much you can put on the mm -hmm. page. Mm -hmm. So that's a, I would say that's a big project for us. Okay, excellent. Yeah. And where can we find out more about you, including the new CD? Well, um, we have a website, mm -hmm. moretango.org. Okay, is the easy way because of course you can go to cuartetotanguero.com, mm -hmm. but why bother, you know, spelling that correctly and stuff? Yeah. Wait, so um, what was, what was uh, the first URL again? The first? It's just more tango. More tango. Okay, I, okay I'm, I'm going to be putting this in the, uh, the show notes so people can, can click on it. All right. Well, thank you so much, Daniel, for, for sharing your insights. Uh, there was a lot of great information there. So, and, of course, it was really wonderful to, 
to talk to you again after all this time. It's been, like I said, it's been way too long. It has been way too long, and I really hope we do this more often. Yeah, yeah, definitely. We'll have to do this again. So. And congrats on the show, man. This is Thank absolutely you. great. I'm really happy it's happening. It's happening in English. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you. Yeah. So, yeah, I just kind of jumped into it um, with the mindset of, and I've mentioned this in earlier shows, uh, with the mindset of believing that tango teachers, organizers, and musicians have a lot of knowledge that we don't often get to hear about because during a workshop or class, there just isn't enough time to bring it up. So hopefully with this podcast format, uh, we can access some of that information and hopefully it will help us on our respective tango journeys. Yeah, I think you're absolutely on the right track. And I really want to congratulate you because especially with tango, tango is Mm -hmm. not only a dance. It's also not only music and it's also not only poetry. It's very unique in the sense that it's all these three things Mm-hmm. And and through these three things, it, it really shares the 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 whole way a certain region of the planet behaves in mm-hmm. a way or behaved yeah. at least at some point. So there is all this history and all this culture that goes with it, yeah. and that really makes it very special. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So again, thank you so much, Daniel, um, and thank best you. of luck with all your future projects. It sounds really exciting, and. Um, yeah, stay in touch, and we'll we'll definitely see you again. Wonderful, I'll be in touch. Okay, take care. Stay in touch. Day. Take care. Yeah, bye. You too. Wow, that was another great conversation. Daniel is a really knowledgeable guy. I've always appreciated live tango music, but after this interview, I think I appreciate it even more. What stuck out to me, and maybe you noticed it too, is that the world of tango music is a whole other universe in some ways. The musicians don't create great music only by reading notes and practicing. They spend a lot of time examining and revising arrangements. There are many decisions to be made on how to express each song. And then there is a connection and trust that needs to be established among the individual group members themselves. And as Daniel said, in regards to that group dynamic, it's very much like a dance. There's passion, energy, and life that's generated from a place that comes from beyond the printed sheet music. And at Milonga, if we're lucky enough to be dancing to Daniel's quartet or to any group, we're seeing the culmination of all that work. It's also worth pointing out that we're not passive audience members when we're in the presence of a live band. We're active participants. Daniel made it clear that musicians are very much aware of what we dancers are doing. We're not just dancing with our partners, we're also dancing with the band. So thanks again, Daniel, for your time and for your insights. And to all of you listeners, thank you again so much for tuning into Joe's Tango Podcast. If you enjoy this program and you're listening on iTunes or SoundCloud, it would mean the world to me if you could leave a five-star rating, a positive review, and remember to subscribe. It just takes a couple seconds. That does a lot to help more people find this podcast. And of course, sharing this with your friends would also be lovely. I truly, truly appreciate your support. Okay, that's it for now. We'll have more shows coming to you every week. I'm Joe Yang. Talk to you again soon.